Hey everyone, welcome to RCC at Home. My name's Natasha, and we're just so glad that you chose to worship here today. If you're new here or have been hanging out with us for a while, be sure to hit that subscribe button and the little bell to be notified when new videos are released. Today, we wanted to give you an opportunity to get connected here, to make the choice to connect here with RCC, and the best way for you to do that is to fill out a red card and the link is in the description box below, or you can head over to rccsunday.com after you watch today's sermon. Right now, we're gonna jump into our current series, Two Minute Warning. That'll bring us to the two minute warnings. So coming out of that little video, you may think the sky is falling. And actually, that's kind of what we've been talking about in the sermon series we're on right now. We've been talking about warnings from Jesus. The whole series is called Two Minute Warning. And we're talking about things we just want to get straight. We want to understand from Jesus. Just in case it's the end of our time on earth or the end of all time on earth, we don't know for sure. We'll never know for sure. But what we do want to know for sure is what Jesus teaches and what we're each going to do about it. So in the series, we've talked about all sorts of topics, and you can go back onto our YouTube page and find any of those. By the way, my name is Mike, and, and as, we, as we talk today, I'm, I'm talking a little bit about the signs of the apocalypse or end times, and it just keeps coming, right? Like, we know about COVID and the wars and all this stuff, but just this week, I saw in the New York Post, like, there's this massive comet coming towards Earth, like the biggest one ever. And it's kind of like a movie. There actually was multiple movies about this over the years. And now it's happening. This giant comet is coming. It's like the size of a small planet. And scientists are worried about it and stuff. It's, it's sort of a big deal in the science world. I'm sure we're going to be fine. But it's just another one of those weird, thing that, that, weird things that are happening. For me, I had, a, I had a weird thing this week. I was driving into Ripon on Highway 23. And I saw five dead raccoons from Rosendale to Ripon. How is that even possible? How could there be five dead raccoons in like an eight-mile stretch? It doesn't, like, think about it with me for a second. The cement highway is a small percentage of the total land. Like, I don't know how much total land is between Ripon and Rosendale. A lot. And a tiny little strip of it is cement. On this tiny little strip, there's no food for them. There's no water for them. There's these giant, scary cars everywhere. If there's five dead raccoons on the highway... How many raccoons must there be in the woods then? Like a zillion, right? They've got to be everywhere. But you can never approach one in the woods. Did you ever sneak up on a raccoon? It's impossible. They're way too wary. Maybe if you have a bunch of dogs, you could tree one. People hunt for them sometimes. But it's difficult. You get 100 yards away, and they see you, and they run and hide. So how is it possible that a giant vehicle can drive right up on them, and they can't move the three feet required to avoid it? Sign of the end times? Possibly, I guess. It sure is strange. I can't figure it out. And then last week, my son and I were fishing. And we saw, I think, we saw two Sasquatches taking out a dock way down in the lake in the distance. And this isn't our first time either with the Sasquatch deal. One time we were up north fishing on a kind of a remote lake. And it was right along the shoreline. It was totally wooded, no cabins or anything. And we heard these giant things like cr being crushed in the woods, like giant branches breaking. Not like a deer running through the woods or a bear. I've, I've heard those things before. It was like an elephant was in the woods, except it was just kind of dark. and was just outside of our field of view. 
we thought it was probably a Sasquatch. So we were up there for two weeks. We went back the next few days, all the fish we caught, the, the fish guts, after cleaning them, we froze them. And then we took them out and put them right there on the shoreline, just onto the woods a little bit, right where we thought we heard the Sasquatch. And then we went back the next morning to check, and guess what? They were gone. They were gone. Another sign of Sasquatch, possibly. Well, most of them. Apparently, Sasquatches don't like bluegills. All the bluegill stuff was left behind. I don't know why. I kind of want to believe. I kind of want to believe Sasquatches exist. That's just kind of fun. Maybe they do, right? Like scientists, they find new animals all the time. They find new fish in the sea all the time. So maybe it's still possible. Maybe there's Sasquatches walking around. They're just good at hiding. I don't know. But that sort of belief or hope is different from belief or hope in Jesus. Whether or not there are Sasquatches, that's not going to change my life any. Belief in Jesus or meeting Jesus changes everything. Or at least it should change everything. And there are big decisions to make along the way. For example, there's this account of a man who met Jesus in the Bible, and this man had to make a big decision afterward. That's because Jesus challenges people. He always has. There was a big question that this man had to answer when he met Jesus. It was sort of a test from Jesus. And it's the same big question that you and I, that we, that we still need to answer today. It's not about whether it's the end times or not. We're never going to know. The Bible tells us we'll not know exactly when the end times are. It's not about Sasquatches. It's not even about why are there so many raccoons on Highway 23 being assigned from God. It's not any of that. The question is this. Jesus' question is this. It's whether we will actually choose to follow Jesus or not, even when it's hard to follow him. So we're going to take a look at the story together. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to guide you through it. We're going to walk through the story a little bit out of time together, and we'll talk about it as we go. The story is found in, in the Bible in the book of Mark, chapter 10. It starts out in verse 17. It begins like this. As he was starting out on a trip, a man came running up to Jesus. A man came running up to Jesus. So what do we know for that? Well, he must have been excited, right? He was all excited to meet Jesus. He ran to Jesus. And for you and I, it's like, what if Jesus was down the road in, in Barlow Park, for example? and you knew he was there, you'd go running up too, right? We'd be all excited. We'd run right up. You'd have to meet Jesus in person if we could. This man was excited. So that's a cool thing about him. And then when he gets to Jesus, it says, he knelt down and asked. Well, look at that. He knelt down and asked. He obviously respected Jesus. You don't just kneel down in front of everybody. He respected Jesus. He fell on his knees. Can you imagine that for yourself? Like if Jesus was just down the road right now and you could run up to him, what would you do? I, I sometimes think I would hug him and I sometimes think I couldn't hug him yet. I'd have to like lay down on the ground in front of him and, and almost like be too humble to even look at him and wait for him to tell me to get up. That's kind of what I picture for myself. I don't know what you picture for you, but it sure would be amazing if we could do this, right? Run right up to him and speak to Jesus in person. That's what this man gets to do. He says to Jesus, good teacher, what should I do to get eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Hmm. This man's question, what do I have to do to get to heaven? It's the same question today. People have the same questions today. 2,000 years later, for the last 2,000 years, even before Jesus' time, everyone wanted to know, how do I inherit eternal life? It's been the human question from the beginning of time. And Jesus' answer has not changed in all these years. If you ask, how do, how do I get to heaven? Here's, here's, here's what he says to this man. As for your question, 
You know the commandments. Don't murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not testify falsely. Do not cheat. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replies. I've obeyed all these commandments since I was a child. So at first, this man is like proud a little bit and, and hopeful, I think, right? Sounds proud and hopeful, excited to me that he has a good answer. And then it says, Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. That's Jesus, right? Jesus felt genuine love for this man. He didn't even know him yet. Or maybe he did, right? Because Jesus felt love for this man and for us despite knowing everything about us. He knows our flaws and he still loves us. And we, we learn this from scripture. He knew this man's flaws. It says he loved them, him. And then the next thing Jesus does is points out this man's flaws. So this is a good guy, but he's far from perfect, just like us. And Jesus says to him, you lack only one thing. Go and sell all you have and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Go and sell everything. What would be the, your hardest possession to sell? Or maybe, maybe this is easier. Think about it this way. If, if you're at home and, and there was a fire and you had to get out and you could only save one possession, what would you save? And, and assume this. Assume you have superhuman strength. So you could lift anything. You could carry out the sofa if you wanted or your big screen TV. You could take anything. What would you take? Now, as I was thinking about that for myself this week, I thought for me my answer would be this, my computer. My computer, and it's not because I'm great with computers or anything like that, but all of our family pictures are on the computer. And I thought that was a great answer, right? Like, I'm going to save all the family pictures. I'd hate to lose those. The other stuff you can buy again. Then I realized, I, I told my wife about it, and I realized I was kind of stupid because she told me the pictures were on the cloud. What cloud, right? I don't know, cloud? I, I'm, I'm still taking the computer. I don't know about clouds. What are your most treasured possessions? What are your most treasured possessions? As I wrote that, I, I thought about this old movie clip. It's from, it's from like, I don't know, 30 years ago or a million years ago. I don't know. It's from the movie The Jerk with Steve Martin. It's a funny movie. It's super, super old. But there's this thing when he talks about his possessions. I want you to listen to it right now with me. And I don't need any of this. I don't need this stuff. And I don't need you. I don't need anything except this. And I tell you, that's the only thing I need is this. I don't need this or this. Just this ashtray. Just this paddle game. The ashtray and the paddle game, that's all I need. And this remote control. The ashtray and the paddle game and the remote control, and that's all I need. And these matches. The ashtray and these matches and the remote control and the paddle ball. I know it's old, but, but hopefully you thought that was a little bit funny at least. Jesus said, go and sell all you have, right? And, and like in that movie, that dude was trying to take his most important stuff. Jesus tested that man. He tested him. So, let me give you a, 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 just a quick test or a, maybe a quiz. A quiz is a better word. It doesn't sound as scary as test. I'm going to give you a quiz, and it's going to be multiple choice. 
Here's the question. What does go and sell all you have mean to you? Right? What, what, do you, what do you think Jesus was trying to say there? And it's multiple choice, so I'm going I'm to give you some options, okay? Did, did it mean option A? Jesus was just talking to that dude, and it doesn't really mean anything for us today. Or B, Jesus was testing him to see if he really believed in him or not. Or C, Jesus was making a new point that no one's perfect. Or D, here's the final one. Now I've got to start listing all my stuff on Facebook Marketplace. Which is it, right? And, and, and you know what? I, I was a teacher for many years. There's a test-taking strategy for multiple choice that if you don't know the answer, it's not easy. There's a strategy to help you guess better, okay? So I'm going to teach you that right now. If you're in school, this will be great for you. I'll call it the elimination strategy. When you have a multiple choice test, you don't know what to do. Start with the ones you know you can eliminate. So for me, let's go just backwards. I don't think it's D because that's not what the rest of Scripture teaches. It doesn't teach us we have to sell everything. It talks about tithing. It talks about gifts and being generous and making offerings. So I, so I don't think it's D. I don't think it's C because Scripture already has said multiple times quite clearly that no one's perfect, not one. So it's kind of a trick question there because it's not a new teaching from Jesus, right? It's, it's a teaching that's already been. And then I don't think it's A because this has been saved despite insurmountable odds for over 2,000 years. This teaching from Jesus was recorded and saved for all these years, all through history against insurmountable odds. So it couldn't have just been for that guy. We never would have heard about it then. So I'm going to go with answer B. Jesus was testing that man. And actually, I think he's testing us too. Jesus is trying to find out if this man truly believes. And that's actually confirmed in Jesus' next comment. After he asks that question, and he's talking to the man, he says, then come follow me, right? Sell your stuff and then come follow me. Then come follow me. That's what it actually means to be a Christian person. A disciple. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. That's what we call his friends at that time, his disciples. They followed him. They learned from him. They tried to be like him. And that's what it still means today. So this significant part of Jesus' test is not really the, the sell-all part. It's the follow-me part. Whatever keeps us from following Jesus, that's the one thing separating us from a God-blessed life now and eternal life. You know, for this guy in the story, it was his stuff. What's your thing? What is it for you that tends to separate you from obedience to Jesus or following Jesus? Maybe it's your stuff. I, I don't know. Or maybe it's doubt or maybe it's giving up control to Jesus because we'd rather control everything ourselves. I'm not sure. We have stuff though too. And then for this guy, it says this. His face fell and he went sadly away because he had many possessions. He went sadly away. Now get it. Picture the story, right? He hears about Jesus. He goes running to Jesus. He's all excited. He falls on his knees. He can't wait to talk to Jesus and ask him a question. He was so happy. And then Jesus says, you know what? You got a little problem. Your stuff's too important to you. It's got to go. And this man, despite his excitement to meet Jesus, he wasn't about to do that. I'm not even sure if Jesus really intended for him to sell his stuff. Jesus knew, though. He knew this man had a problem. This guy had many possessions, and instead of being willing to give those up, he went away. What about us? We make that choice all the time. Do you follow Jesus, 
or walk away when we don't like a teaching. Jesus let this man walk away. He didn't force him to stay. Jesus, God, they don't force us into a relationship. We get to choose. We get to choose if we want to follow or not. So after that man walked away, after he walked away, Jesus looked around, and this is what he said to his disciples. How hard is it for rich people to get into the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it's very hard to get in the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Sometimes over the years, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I've heard a lot of sermons from a lot of great pastors. And sometimes they'll talk about that verse. And like the, the, the first assumption for a lot of people is when it talks about a needle, we think about a real needle and trying to thread a needle and these pastors sometimes will, will go all the way back into the history stuff and talk about, no, at that time, in that setting, they weren't talking about a needle needle. They were talking about a narrow passageway through a canyon. The rocks came close together, and it was really hard to get through. So people then would have understood it so much differently than we're understanding it today. And then people say, oh, that's so deep. But actually, that's not deep at all. That's just information. Does it really matter if it's a needle needle or a narrowing of rock? That's not deep. Here's what's deep for you and for me. That dude was rich. I know it doesn't seem like it, but we're rich. I know wherever you're at today, wherever you're listening from, you're not thinking you're rich. I'm sure you're not. But we are, and so am I. You are, I am. Because right now, if we're living in the United States right now, we're like in the top 1% of all the people who have ever lived when it comes to possessions. Of all the people who have ever lived over all the thousands of years, you and I, we've got more possessions than 99% of them. So this is a little scary for me. It's a little scary for me. Because I'm a rich man too, and I believe you are too. So what's actually up with this? What's up with it? Let's go deep. Is this saying you can't have possessions and also follow Jesus? I hope not, because i got a lot of stuff that I like. I don't think I'm all about my possessions, but I have some nice stuff. I know I can't take it to heaven with me. But do I have to get rid of it all already? Is that what this is teaching me? Do you and I, do we have to sell all of our possessions to be accepted into God's family? It's a real question. That's a deep question. So keep listening to what Jesus says about it. Here in Scripture it says, The disciples were astounded. Then, who can be saved? The disciples asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God... Everything is possible. So, we can't do anything. It's not humanly possible. So having real faith, it's not about do. And you simply, you can't study and call that deep. That's not deep. Studying's not deep. Faith, deep faith, is all about trust. And sometimes our trust, yours and mine, our trust in God and in Jesus, it's going to be tested. So right here in Scripture, this is a test from Jesus for everyone. So many people that think, think someday they're taught, someday this test is going to happen at the pearly gates. You die and you go to the pearly gates and there's a test to get in. That's what so many people picture. But that's, that's not it. That's not what the Bible says at all. You're not tested after you die. You don't just enter God's kingdom after you die. You enter God's kingdom while you're on earth. And your citizenship in God's kingdom continues 
all the way into eternity in heaven. So the deep question is this. It's not just do you listen to Jesus. It's not just do you like Jesus' teaching. He's so warm and wonderful and forgiving. It's not just do you like his teaching. Or even do you actually live them out. The real test is do you believe in him so much that you follow him. That's the true test of your faith. So for me, I got a bunch of stuff. Am I just like that guy Jesus was talking to? Are you just like him? Right, that guy, he had to get something straightened out in his head and in his life. He had to make decisions. So do I. So do we. And this guy, according to scripture, he was a good guy. He was rich. So am I. So are you. He was excited about Jesus. He respected Jesus. So do I. So do you. I try to live right just like he did, and I bet you're trying to live right too. The Bible says Jesus loved him. And the Bible says Jesus loves me, and he loves you too. Yet that man, despite all the love, all the forgiveness, he was not willing to walk with Jesus. He couldn't follow Jesus. He couldn't go deep with Jesus. Why? Why? Because all of his stuff was more important to him than his trust in Jesus. The only thing separating that guy and a lot of other people from a closer walk with Jesus is a big pile of money or stuff in the way. And we may be in the same danger that he was in. So today, in this series, this two-minute warning from Jesus, it's sell everything, right? But should we sell everything too? Is that his teaching to you and I today? I guess maybe that's between me and God, or that's between you and God. It's, it's private between you and God. But actually, it's, it's not really just about selling something. The real test is, is there anything more important than Jesus to you? And if there is, are you willing to give it up? Maybe it's a hobby. It may be some action or habit or something you're into. It may be your stuff. I don't know. Whether or not the end of the world is near or not, whether you'll be meeting Jesus in person soon or not, are you willing to put aside whatever it is that's keeping you from truly embracing a real faith and following Jesus? Whatever that is. And everyone has stuff, right? We all got something that is our struggle. I don't know what yours is. But whatever that struggle is, whatever between you and Jesus, wherever you really don't want to obey, wherever you don't really want to follow, will you take the time this week to talk to him about it and, and ask him what you need to change? That's the prayer I'm going to lead you in right now, and, and that's the prayer that I hope you will pray again and again this week, just offering your life up to Jesus and say, Lord, what, what do I need to change? What do I need to give up to follow you more obediently? I hope that you'll do that this week, and, and we're going to pray about that in just a minute. But, but normally at the end of a sermon, there's offering comments. And I'm not going to make an offering comment today because I don't want you to think that I'm trying to motivate you to give more today with this sermon. I'm afraid you're sitting there thinking, oh, he just wants me to give more. I'm not doing that. I'm trying to motivate you to believe in or trust Jesus so much that you're willing to obey him in every area of your life. So yes, with possessions, but that's just one area. So will you obey and actually follow Jesus with everything? Before you offer more money or offer more anything, I do want you to think about that. Pray on it and decide if your money or anything else is more of a treasure to you than Jesus 
in your desire to obey him by following his teaching. Before you run out of time, just in case the end of the world or the end of your time is near. So you'll have a better first meeting in person with him than that rich man in the Bible. That's what I want for you. So I'm going to close with a prayer, and if you'd like, bow your heads and you can pray with me. Dear Lord, dear Jesus, please, for, for all of us who are praying to you right now, we're asking you, Lord, to use what you know about us, just like this man in Scripture, and reveal to us what's keeping us from a closer relationship with you, whether it's our possessions, our, our habits, our decisions we make, whatever it may be. Reveal it to us, Lord, and then help us be faithful enough to set that aside so that we can follow you more closely in real faith. We pray this in your name. Amen.